Hello, and welcome to the Love Your Work Life podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Shuck. Whether you're going for that next promotion, looking for a job, or making a career pivot, I'll teach you how to navigate it all so you can have the career you want. This is Love Your Work Life, episode 127. If you've been listening to me for long, you know that I am big into leveraging your strengths. The behavioral survey that I use in my one-on-one practice with clients is all about natural, innate behavioral strengths. It is about what makes you tick as a human. And the reason I I give all of my clients this survey, it doesn't matter if we are just doing a new resume, if we are diving directly into interview prep, or if we're doing our customized, comprehensive three-month career pivot program. It's so important to identify your strengths, to validate yourself and your career direction based on if you are in your strength zone. And what's beautiful about this is that it's not limiting at all. It's actually the opposite of limiting because when you have a sense of your strengths, you get a sense of possibility. Instead of looking for jobs and trying to fit yourself into that mold, you are now looking at opportunities and evaluating if those fit you. Does this job fit you? Does this career path fit you and your strengths? You can tell I get a little passionate about this because I love it. Now, I've read lots of strength books over the years, and one of my favorites is by Marcus Buckingham. It's called Go Put Your Strengths to Work. In the book, he suggests an acronym for identifying and remembering your strengths, for organizing them, for just kind of having a deeper understanding. The psychologist Donald Clifton, who Marcus Buckingham worked with, said that you know it's a strength because you're drawn to it. If it's something that is intriguing to you, there's a good chance that it's tapping into one of those innate strengths. It may not be a strength you have fully developed, but that's okay because a strength doesn't necessarily have anything to do with a record of success or ability. It goes far deeper than that. And the acronym that Marcus Buckingham suggests to help identify and organize these strength zones is SIGN, S-I-G-N. The other interesting thing that Donald Clifton said is you really can't 
improve weaknesses. The most you could move them on a scale of one to 10, if something is a three, is a five. You might get it to average, but how cool is it that with some time, attention, and dedication that you could move something that's a six to an eight, maybe even a nine. So let's take a look at this acronym SIGN and what that means for identifying, remembering, organizing, and putting your strengths to work, as he says in the book title. S stands for success. And this isn't just what you're good at. This isn't just areas where you have created success and results. Proficiency may not be a part of it either. It certainly isn't the complete picture. You might be very proficient. You might be very good at it, but hate it. I work with clients on this all the time. They're involved in some aspect of work or an area in their career that just doesn't feel good. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to keep doing it or that you should do it. And if it feels awful, then it's probably not a strength. It's probably an adjustment that you're making to your natural behavioral strengths to fit in, to get something done. Sidebar, another really cool thing about that behavioral assessment that I have all my clients participate in, it has a whole section about the adjustments that you're making in important areas of your life. And when you are going against the grain of your strength, it causes stress and energy drain. A good clue here. So the opposite must be true. When you pay attention to how you feel, when you get into a flow state, when doing this thing, this activity just feels good, that's what success looks like. Grab a hold of that, my friends. Success is when doing that activity, it actually feels good. What a wonderful new definition of success. Yes, we're in jobs, we've got to create results, we've got to have accomplishments. But when you marry an accomplishment and a result with feeling good, that is success. And that is a key to helping you identify those strengths. Just because you know how to do it doesn't mean that it is successful when we define success with the added element that it actually feels awesome. All right. The second one, the I in sign is instinct. Now, this is really interesting I think this taps into a little bit of what Donald Clifton was saying when he said, what are you drawn to? What activities repeatedly get your attention? 
You may be lacking in skill and experience, but your instinct keeps taking you to something over and over again. In my career, one of the things I can identify with very strongly when it came to instinct was was marketing. I just had to learn everything I could about marketing and branding and how to communicate and how to integrate beautiful design aesthetics into marketing campaigns. What would attract people? What would engage people? What would draw people in? I am the person that will go into a bookstore, well, online or physical, let's be real here, and absolutely judge a book by its cover. I will pick things up based on how beautifully designed the cover is. It doesn't even matter what the topic is. I'm attracted to beautiful wine labels. These are the kinds of little things that you can also pay attention to. What are you drawn to? What feels kind of instinctual? about the activities that you want to be involved in, the kinds of things that are attracting you, pulling you towards. This is instinct. It's deeper. It's deeper than the surface success that you may be experiencing. Pay attention to your instincts. The G in the acronym is growth. Now, you know I love some sciency things from time to time. And one of the interesting things about growth is that growth is easy when we are building on the infrastructure that already exists in our brains. Those synaptic connections in areas we already have built up, it's easier to extend, to branch out on those, that infrastructure, on those um, synaptic connections when they already exist. This is why me branching out to design, marketing, and branding felt so easy is because I already have a strength in the area of art. That is a strength I spent time on. That is a strength and skill I developed. So naturally, the connections to that would have provided opportunities for growth. Why do we think creating a new habit is so hard? (laughs) Because we don't have an infrastructure already built for that habit. But what I'm talking about in terms of growth relative to your strengths is to notice that when you are leveraging a strength and you're growing that strength, you can look for clues that your brain is actually building on something that already exists. And here's how. It feels easy. It feels like you're not even trying very hard. There's a certain interest and even um, inquisitiveness associated with 
this area of growth. It's an activity that you want to go deeper into. You want to research it. You want to refine it. You want to learn how to do it better, get it better, all of those good things. It feels like true happiness. That's a quote from the book. And I don't know about you, but I have found those moments of true happiness was managing a team as a middle manager squished in between the needs of my team and the instructions and edicts and new strategies coming down from executives hard? Yes. But I'm telling you, managing people felt like true happiness to me. Seeing other people achieve their full potential feels like true happiness to me. Coaching someone and giving them the aha moment when they say something brilliant, off the cuff even, when we're practicing interview questions, true happiness. Look for the true happiness in yourself in the things that you do day by day. I'm telling you, they are there. If they're not, well, then maybe that's also an epiphany moment for you. You deserve to be in your strength zone. You deserve to find happiness and success doing things you love, to reach out and follow your instincts, to experience growth in a way that feels easy and even effortless. Flow research, which is another cool area that I love to take a peek into from time to time, demonstrates that happiness and concentration are very closely linked. Flow is the state that you get in when you're concentrating so hard, but it feels really effortless. Surfers are really good at this. And I actually have a podcast episode called Grit, Flow, and Grace. It's number 65. I'll put it in the show notes. Take a look at it because it's this really interesting combination of how these traits can come together. And what's interesting about flow research is the father of flow, and I'm not even going to say his name because I know I will mess up the pronunciation, figured out that our personal peak of happiness occurs when we are fully immersed in an activity. We may not feel happiness in that moment. I certainly didn't feel happiness necessarily, when I was trying to find the right images for those product storyboards. But when I was done, after the effort, after the challenge, after it all came together, then I felt happy. It lines up perfectly with what Flow Research uncovered. You're deep into it, feels like a challenge, but when it's done, it feels good. The happiness happens. That's how you know you're in a strength zone, which leads us to N, need. 
does the activity, does the interest, does what you are participating in fill an innate need? How do you know if it's fulfilling a need? Well, you know because it feels authentic. You know because there's just something about it that feels correct. It has a certain righty-rightness about it. It's when you feel most like yourself. It's when you feel you're at your best. The first time I ever did a keynote on stage, it happened kind of suddenly because there was a restructure in the company and suddenly I was put in a new role, a promotion that I never thought I would get in a million years because of the previous company structure. But when it was restructured, I was bold. I went to the interim CEO. I said, I want that job. They moved me into the office and suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, now that I have this job, I'm going to have to stand on a stage in front of probably a thousand people. And in a quick flash, I kind of got totally freaked out. And then I realized, oh, this was actually an idea that I had planted in my brain years and years prior. Because in college, when I was taking art history classes, I remember thinking, wow, that would be so cool to stand on a stage in front of an auditorium full of people and talk about stuff that's on a big giant slide next to me. And suddenly that moment was happening. I had never spoken in front of a group that large before. I've done lots of speaking, lots of presentations to board of directors, to customers, clients, the works, never on a stage like that. So I did the things, I prepared the talk, I found my motivation music. It was the music that I was going to walk out to um, on stage. They let you pick a, a music, so it's kind of playing when you walk out. Well, I picked my music and I played it in the car every day over and over again um, on my way to work and on my way home from work. My friends, when my time to go on stage came up, chaos was happening. And it's because the the person before me was the entertainment for the night was running long. And every minute that person ran long, it was eating into my presentation. And if I took the time I needed to take for my presentation, we were going to have to pay some pretty hefty fines for going over time. And I remember my boss, the CEO, was saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll get it covered. Um, I had a teleprompter. Again, never spoke from stage. Everybody told me, you got to have a teleprompter because that's how you keep track of what you're saying. So I went on stage and I started talking. Something kicked in. 
it just started flowing out of me. The person running the teleprompter couldn't even keep up with me. But I wasn't missing a beat. I was in a strength zone. I had never done it before, but there was a certain rightness about it. It just felt good. <laughs> and one of my coworkers, who'd done lots and lots of talks from stage in front of thousands of people, gave me a big hug at the end and said, You are a natural. What a moment. My friends, what is a natural for you? Find those things. If it's not happening in your current work world, then by gosh, get going. Look for jobs that do fit the mold of you instead of you fitting the mold of the job. And if you need help, you know where to find it. Go to my website. I've got some great resources there for you. Follow me on LinkedIn. I'm always talking about these kinds of things, but you owe it to yourself to look for the signs. What does success mean in terms of making you feel happy? What is instinctual? What are you drawn to? What growth areas feel effortless? And then look for the things that just fill, that just tap into those needs, those innate righty rightness things that you do. Get into your strength zone. You'll never, ever regret it. All right, my friends, I'll talk to you again soon. If you like this podcast, I invite you to visit the Love Your Work Life website at elisashuck-careercoach.com. On the site, you'll find all the information you need to work with me one-on-one, as well as get access to my courses, Job Search Field Guide, and The Art of Stellar Interviews. I can't wait to help. I look forward to seeing you there.